Hallelujah. Woo, God. Woo. I won't go back. I can't go back. I, I can't go back. Because I can't unknow what I know. I, I know this is true. So now I'm forever changed. Because once his presence changed. See, because I'm, I'm not who I was before. Because who I was before was ignorant of who he was. Now I'm not. The Anthony that was ignorant about who God was and what he does no longer exists because this one here knows who he is. I, I hear God saying that some, that some of you can't make that declaration because you never changed. This is not a rebuke. This is a revelation. Okay, so don't know everybody get start feeling bad. Don't feel bad. Because this, this is an opportunity for you to get to know him. Every time you're in the presence of the Lord, there's an opportunity for you to be changed. It's not just coming to church. It's not just getting through the service. It's not just the thing that happened. I'm, I'm looking to be changed. Because once I step into the presence of the Lord, I'm looking to be changed. Now, I know this is going to step on some people's toes, but it's all right. Take it as a revelation, please. Whenever someone was slain in the spirit, it was because it was a dramatic change in that person and their life. Yes. If, if people are looking to just fall out on the floor because the apostle touched you or the pastor touched you. And ooh, whoo. If you're doing that all the time, then you've just had an ecstatic experience. Now, I believe in being slain in the spirit. But that's when the overwhelming power of God has left you unable to stand on your feet. Once you've experienced that, you've been changed. If you keep getting up and doing the same things you was doing before, you ain't been changed. So you just had an emotional experience and fell on the floor because everybody else was. So what we seek is that authentic experience with the Lord. That authentic experience so that because I, I want to be overwhelmed by the power of God. I know some of you is like, oh, no, that's scary. That's scary. Oh, what's, what's going to happen? Let God do whatever he want to do. That's what's going to happen. Trust me. You can put yourself in his hands and understand that whatever he does, it's going to be good. <sighs> the last time I preached, we talked about just a moment. And I was ready to move on to something else. And the Lord said, no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Even though you talked about the moment and you talked about people being in the moment and you gave them a couple of things to do. We need to do a little more work on that. Why? Because some people are stuck. So, Father, as we bring this word to present the message that you have given, Lord God, Father, I'm asking that you would help move the man out of the way. So it's spoken with clarity, with understanding, with power that changes lives. But not because a man spoke it, but because your spirit is speaking, oh God, reaching into the spirits of your people. Lord, you know what each one needs, Lord. So let that be heard today, Lord God. Let it reach where it needs to reach, Lord God. Father, for we want to be changed so we have a place where we stand so we will never go back because of what you have done, Lord. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. But Lord, only you can accomplish that. So we surrender to you this morning. We bow before you, Lord. We humble our hearts, our minds, our spirits before you this morning. We submit to the authority of your spirit, oh God, and your word. And whatever you say, God, that's what it's going to be. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you would turn with me, please, to James, the second chapter. Now, there's something about the book of James. If, if you want uh, uh, someone to challenge you on what living like a Christian should look like, 
read the book of James. Because James gives you straight and plain. He's not, he don't cut any corners and he don't, he's not trying to make nobody feel good. Saying this is what it is and this is what you need to do. So in the second chapter of the book of James, he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is a God? There's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. We're talking about it was just a moment. But we have to get unstuck and move past the moment. See, life that faith requires demands work. And faith itself actually inspires action. The things we go through can challenge us and cause us to get stuck. When you get that bad news and that diagnosis, when that disappointing thing happens, when that event that floors you, knocks you off your feet, we can get stuck. It was just a moment, but it was our experience. It changed our lives and it created a memory. But we're still breathing We're still breathing. And breathing doesn't mean you're living. You can still just be stuck. So what does it mean to be stuck? To be in a fixed position. Unable to move or be moved. Unable to move or be moved. So no matter how much the deacons pray and call and anoint and preach, Stuck, unable to move or be moved, despite your best deacon efforts. (laughs) Frozen in place. And, you know, you could you could be stuck. Elder Devon and I were talking about this. You you can be stuck for a long time. The, The trauma can have you stuck for a day or it can have you stuck for the rest of your life. You could be 60, 70 years old, still talking about what happened when you were 10. Jammed up, caught in between. Life is no longer productive. If your life is not productive, then you are not living. If your life is not productive, then you are not living. Everything in the natural world If you're not actually doing something, bringing something in, making something, then you're not living. In the spiritual, it's even worse because there's an expectation for those that are the children of God to bear fruit. It's an expectation. If you're a child of God and you're not bearing any fruit, something is wrong. If you're not developing in the character of Christ, something is wrong. If your life is not producing something so that those that are around you have something to eat from, something is wrong. We've got to get moving, family. I I did this, I read this article from the Mayo Clinic that said that it linked sitting for long periods of time with a number of health concerns that include obesity, increased blood pressure, high blood sugar, Excess body fat around the waist and unhealthy cholesterol levels. (laughs) Sitting for more than eight hours a day with no physical activity had a risk of dying similar to those that posed by obesity and smoking. You know, you you heard that, that sitting is the new smoking, especially during the pandemic. So people get working from home and you sit in your desk and never move from the whole day. Regardless of what your boss said, you need to get up. Because we know we have some um, companies that tracking you through the camera to see if you actually there doing the work. 
Well, send them to the article for the Mayo Clinic. Says, I got to get up. I can't sit here all day so you can watch me. <laughs> now, this is the funny thing. Is that if you have an active life, if you have to sit for a long period of time, the time that you sit doesn't affect the rest of your life. It's only when you're just sitting in no activity. So if you're getting up, going to the gym, running around, chasing the baby, you good. <laughs> but you got to get moving. See, have you ever ran it? had something that was stuck and you had to get it unstuck? Did that ever happen by prayer and fasting? Lord, this jar is stuck. And I know that you are the God of all things. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over this jar lid. And oh God, I'm believing that in she came in a Honda. <laughs> she ate a pot of gumbo. By the time I touch this jar, that top going to be unstuck. Has that ever actually happened? Has that actually ever worked? No. You had to pick up the jar, grab hold of the top, get a rag, run it under some hot water, get the, the butter knife, like when it was tapping around the edge. You had to do something. You, there was actually something you had to do. Go, call Jack. <laughs> Yeah, those muscles aren't for show, right? They're not just for show. <laughs> those are working muscles, right, Minister Jack? <laughs> but how does all that happen? Because you had to do some work. We, if we're going to get unstuck, if we're going to get moving, we're going to have to do some work. Moving is always connected to work. And did you not know that we were created to work? That our first job was to tend the garden? When God created all things and he said, well, there was no man to tend the garden. So he created Adam and he put him in the garden to tend the garden. This is, this is why I don't understand why, why Christians don't think we are responsible for the environment. We were created as part of the ecosystem. We, we, we are here to tend the garden. So how do we not take care of the garden? I'm just saying, I don't, I don't get it. And they're like, well, God's going to take care of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's going to take care of it. <laughs> he's going to take care of it. In the end, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So do you want to suffocate before that happens? I'm just saying, don't make no sense. <laughs> but here's where it got bad. See, because he created us to work. So we were built to move. We built to do stuff. Now, this is why it became a problem. Once we sinned, we messed up the fun. Because before we sinned, we just working in the garden. And if you're doing a job you like, it don't feel like work. You're just doing what you like, and it's fun. Now, you might be tired at the end of the day, but you feel good about what you've done because you're doing something you like. We were created for that. But then we sinned. So now he said, you ain't going to eat unless you work. Now, the ground is going to bring forth thorns. And it's not going to just give you your food. You're going to have to fight to get your food. You're going to have to get in there, dig, plant. That's how you're going to get your food now. So now it ain't always fun now. <laughs> you, you, you can't just do what you like. You got to do what you have to because you got to eat. But we messed that up. But the reality is, it's no good for anyone to just sit around doing nothing. It's no good for anyone to sit around doing nothing. And I know that those that in my age range is like, well, we getting towards retirement age. What is it retirement mean? You can do whatever you want and do nothing. No, 
Not from a biblical perspective. As long as you have health, long as you have ability, God is still expecting you to be productive. And productive is not just sitting on the beach, even though it feels very productive sometimes. Sometimes it's necessary. But why? Because not we were created to work. We have to work, but we also work. So we work and then we rest because that's how we were built. But we work way more than we rest because we work six days. We only get to rest once. <laughs> Everybody's like. Well, Pastor, don't nobody need to hear all that. But if we want to actually live the way God wants us to live, and if we don't want to be stuck, then you understand that you're going to be working more than you're resting. So if your whole life is about just trying to find some place where you could rest, you're missing the mark. Because you are supposed to work six days and the seventh day if that you rest. And I don't, don't, don't confuse work, a worship with resting. Don't confuse it. It's like, oh, Sunday, that's my day of rest. That's when I go to church, but I don't get to rest. Who are you telling? <laughs> I, 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 I saw my bishop yesterday. I forgot to ask him, how come he ain't tell me pastors don't get um, personal time off? How come he ain't tell me pa- pastors don't get personal days or sick days? How, how, he ain't tell me that. We're going to have a talk later. But, <laughs> But as long as you're alive, you have to work. Now, once you get to be a certain age, you're not going to work as long and as hard as you did. So what you could do in four hours might take you eight now. What you could do in a week might take you three. Because the rest part is, you know, let's just be honest. By the time you get to be my age, you need a little more rest than you did before. Especially if you exert a whole lot of energy, it takes a little longer. <laughs> and look, I'm, I'm one of those men that I'm not ashamed. I am not. It, I do not have the energy of a 20 year old. I don't have the energy of a lot. Well, some 30 year olds. I got the same energy as them. But a lot. <laughs> some 30 year olds. It's like, man, you are lazy. But. It, <laughs> but. Family. You got to get this in your head that if you stuck, if you're going to get unstuck, you're going to have to do some work. It's not going to happen just by prayer and fasting. Not alone. You have to do something. That was um, James's point. It's like, well, I have faith, so I know that I'm good because I have faith. It's like, but if you have faith and you have no deeds. So I will show you my faith by my deeds. When that brother is hungry and, and, and cold, then I'm going to feed him and bring them a coat. That's expression of my faith. Just saying, I'm going to pray that God will bring you a coat. <laughs> and you got three coats in your closet. And you know why you wouldn't give it to him? Because, like, I like those coats. I'm, this one is for Wednesday and this one's for Thursday and that one's my Sunday coat. Why am I giving that guy? Mm. Oh, Lord, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Just in talking, not actually in doing. Because we were created to work more than to rest. Movement is actually life in action. Being stuck leaves us lifeless. If you're going to be productive, you got to do something. That's why when people tell me I'm working on it. I said, well, what you doing? If you're working on something, that implies that you're actually doing something. You can't, tell, you can't tell me I'm working on it and don't actually tell me the steps that you're taking to get something done. Because then you're not working on it. You're just talking about it. Maybe thinking about it. <laughs> and movement is an undertaking. a pursuit. I looked, at the, looked up the meaning of this. It's an undertaking, creating a shift It's a crusade standing behind a banner. It's a difference in our thinking, in our feelings, in our actions. Something changed. If there's going to be a movement, something changed. If you say you're moving, then something's got to change. So 
I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I want you to think about it. Are you actually moving? Oh, Lord. If we're going to be who God wants us to be, if we're going to do what God wants us to do, we must get unstuck. Whatever it is that got us stuck, we got to be unstuck. But here's, here's a question, because we talked about, we touched on this in Sunday school. It's like, we, we got to ask ourselves, am I stuck? Because sometimes we stuck and don't even know we stuck. <laughs> Haven't moved in a long time, but don't even know. Because why? Because it's comfortable. Where I'm sitting is comfortable. So I'm not stuck. I'm just comfortable. If you're too comfortable, you're stuck. What is the saying? You always should live just on the edge of your comfort level. Just on the edge of your comfort level. Now, being comfortable is not the same thing as resting. See, because you can be on the edge of your comfort level and still be resting. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge there. I, I know I, I know I got to watch my step. I know I got to watch where I'm going. And, and I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm not making myself crazy, but I know, I know where I'm at. <laughs> I know what's going on. I, I got my eyes wide open. I see everything that's happening, and I'm right here on the edge. It's not comfortable, but I still can rest. Mm. Mm. Every, time, every time the Lord tells you to do something that's outside of your comfort level, you can still rest in his faithfulness. But think about... Think about the, the first time you had to, to sing in front of like 10,000 people. That could shake a brother up. <laughs> but I'm going outside my comfort level. Because as long as it's a sanctuary full, full of people I know, I'm good. But you put me in front of 10,000 people with television cameras all over the place. And it's like, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm resting in what God told me to do. I'm resting in what he told me to do. Ooh. Oh, there's so many examples to this. I want to move on. I don't want to take too long. But you, you have a baby and you thought you had a plan on what that was going to look like. <laughs> we're going to get married and we love each other. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to have a baby and the baby's going to do this. And then you get married and you still love each other. And then you have a baby. But the baby's not cooperating with the plan. The baby has their own ideas about what should be happening with your life. But you know that this child is a gift from God. So even though I'm not in my comfort zone, I can still rest in the fact that I know that this child is a gift from God. I know that God will give me what I need. I know that God will help me make it through. Because especially if you have children when you're young, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but you can rest in the fact that I know I love this child. And I know that God loves me and my child. And he's going to help me make it through and figure this out. Even though I'm uncomfortable. I met with a couple. They had me cracking up. They had me cracking up. That kid had them running in circles. <laughs> I was cracking up because I'm, I'm laughing because it's like, y'all just going to have to figure it out. Each child is different. There is no, there is no manual that worked for every kid. No. Even brothers and sisters, they're all different. And you got to deal with them according to who they are. So they just got to figure it out. Now, and the, the poor kid, the, no, the kid was fine. It was them that was, <laughs> the parents, that's, parents that's going crazy. But they're going to be fine. But they realize that, that I'm not in my comfort zone, but I can rest in the fact that I love this child and my life is committed to this child and I'm going to do what's necessary so this child will be okay. Amen. So are you stuck? Well, first you got to check your environment. Has anything changed in your environment? Or are you only seeing the same things all the time? <laughs> the same things 
in the same place all the time. We're stuck. That's why I love Deacon Diana's talent so much is that she, she come in here and she look at how the sanctuary is, is decorated and then she'll like, it's time for a season change. <laughs> it's time for a color change. We're not going to have fall flowers up in the summertime. We just, we're just not going to do that. <laughs> Why? Because she checked her environment and is like, we're not going to stay stuck in the same season with the same decorations, looking the same way all the time. As things are changing, we need to shift some things so it matches the stuff that's happening. You can't stay stuck. Then that goes along with checking your flexibility. Does any attempt to move cause you pain? <laughs> I, had, I had this conversation with Elder Devon because she does yoga. And I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, it's spiritual, it's Buddhist. <laughs> Stop that nonsense. Amen. If you really want a lesson on how yoga can fit into the, spiritual, into the Christian lifestyle, come talk to me later. Send me an email. I'll help you with that. Amen. Don't be stuck. Amen. Get unstuck. She does yoga, and I've seen her doing some stuff. I'm like, it hurt just looking at it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But you have to think about, am I stuck? Every time I have to bend in a way that's not just something I naturally do, does it hurt? Now, it can be challenging, but does it hurt? If you can't even reach down and touch your toes... <laughs> you, you might be stuck because <laughs> you got to work on your flexibility. Oh, Lord, are you hearing what I'm saying? When something forces you or you're in a situation where you got to reach for something, go beyond what can, you can just touch like this. Does it hurt? Because you might be stuck because you, you don't have any flexibility. When the things start to become different than what it was, and now I got to move. I got to shift. I got to bend. I got to reach. And every time I do that, I'm in pain. Stuck. Stuck. Some of these conversations that's happening in the world, if you can't bend, if you can't flex, if you can't try to get a perspective on where people are coming from. You're just stuck. And then you're not productive. Because if the Christian's like, no, this is what it is. That's it. That's it. God said, that's it. Have you even tried to understand what someone else is saying? Have you bent a little bit? Just okay. Let me. Okay, this is this is what my mind says. But this person is actually trying to tell me something. So can I bend a little bit? Can I flex a little bit to be able to hear, understand what are they saying? What is that that they really need? How can the Lord fit into this thing, as opposed to this is what it is, rigid? That's it. You're just stuck. Because people's needs are changing, and we're still stuck. What they need from the church, from the way they need to hear it from the church. The love that we have to express, the way it was is not the way it is now. You know, there was a time that people going around saying, repent! For the kingdom of heaven is heaven. Give your heart to the Lord or you're going to hell. And people were just like, oh, I don't want to go to hell. Ooh, I need to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. Try that now. Now, the truth is people do need to repent. People do need to be saved. People do need to accept Jesus. But yelling at them, holding up your Bible, that, that's, they're not going to hear it like that. Oh, Lord. So check your flexibility and then check your health. Are you functioning as you should? Is it always hard for you to breathe? When we're stuck, you, it might be a health problem. Is it always hard for you to breathe? Any exertion leaves you out of breath? Oh, Lord. Anytime you have to do a little bit of something, every time, you just walked up the stairs, man. You didn't run a marathon. 
He just walked up the stairs. Oh, Lord. And sister, you just got the Christmas decorations out the attic. I mean, why are you huffing and puffing? Now I got to take a nap. I went up to the attic, brought the Christmas decorations. Now I got to take a half an hour nap. Check your health. Oh, if, oh, Jesus, help us. Is there heaviness in your chest? Constantly feeling pressure. Your heart is always pounding. Do you have a lack of energy? Everything just seems too hard to do. You might be stuck. Because not everything should be that hard to do. You shouldn't always have palpitations. Because if you do, maybe you're just stuck. Maybe your health is actually the problem. If you refuse to check, that's a sure sign that you're stuck. If I'm saying, check your environment, check your flexibility, check your health, and you're like, ah, you're stuck. If all of that just went over your head, you're stuck. I'm telling you, you're stuck. Because you don't even want to check. Then why am I stuck? Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Why am I stuck? Because I allow the negative thoughts to linger. Uh, Rehearsing what went wrong. We've been talking about this for a couple of months now in Sunday school. Agreeing with the negativity. And and, and we we touched on this in Sunday school this morning. Having tantrums. You want to know why you're stuck? Because you have tantrums. You want to know why you're stuck? Because you're allowing a three-year-old to run your life. What do I mean by that? Emotionally, some things can make us revert back to our child self. But when you allow your child self to be making the decisions for your adult self, that's how you end up getting stuck. Because whatever the child wants, now you're running after trying to pacify the child. So you're stuck. Because children don't want adult stuff. Children just want what they want. Our minister Candace warns us about this all the time, about channeling your inner three-year-old. This is the answer to that. Help that three-year-old grow up. It's called top-down therapy. Your adult self reaches down to the three-year-old self and helps the three-year-old self to grow up. But you got to reach down to help, like, what is going on with this child? What does this child need? And then help them grow up. Because if your adult self just screaming, get up, get up, why are you acting like that? Children, have you noticed that don't work with kids? If a kid is, if a kid is throwing a tantrum, just screaming at them about having a tantrum, now you, both of y'all having a tantrum. Because the right approach is to what does this child really feel, what do they need, or what do they want, and helping to resolve that. Now, the child might not get those things because part of it might be planned ignoring, but you know why the child is acting that way. You're just not giving them the attention they want. Or, if, or, or you have to ch- bring them into something else. They're upset about this. Help them into something else. Pastor D can help you with this because I saw her do it this a lot. So... <laughs> She has a proven track record for decades of helping children meet their developmental tasks. That's, I've seen this with my own eyes. I'm not saying it because she's my wife. I'm saying it because I've seen it with my own eyes. She has the skill to help that kid to get out of the stuff that they're in to move along. And it's amazing that those same, tra- those same um, methods that you use, they work when we have our adult self dealing with our emotional child self. You got to do the same thing. So, so those that are stuck in their child self, call Pastor D. She'll, call Pastor D, and she will help you. She will help you get unstuck from your child self. She will help you get unstuck from your, especially if you like a toddler. Now, as you get to a little older child, you might go to Elder Devon, but when, if you're a toddler, infant toddler, acting like that, go see Pastor D. She'll help you. Yeah. 
We can't get stuck in those negative emotions, those negative thoughts. We can't get, if you're talking about how did I get stuck, is that if you allow that stuff to play on and play on and play on and play on. And how do you, how do you, another way you get stuck is believing lies. It is one of the things that frustrate me the most, but I think it's because of the way my brain is wired. If you know it's a lie, why do you believe in it? If you know it's a lie, why are you saying yes to it? Now, you might not be able to change something, but why would you accept that something that's a lie is the truth? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the devil come and tell you, you're the worst person in the world. Yeah, yeah, I'm the worst person in the world. God doesn't really love you. No, no, God doesn't love me. I'm too bad. I'm too bad. Why do you believe in that? Mm. See, because God's word always directs us to the truth, and the truth always directs us towards him. When you know you believe in a lie, is the thing that you believe in is actually taking you away from God. If, no other, if there's no other way for you to know that it's a lie, is it bringing you closer to God or away from God? If it's taking you away from God, it's a lie. Oh, help us, Jesus. The Spirit of God will always reveal the truth. He will always reveal the truth. So if you believe in a lie, then that means you're disconnected from the Spirit of God. And, and, and that really makes no sense to me at all. Why would you be disconnected from the Spirit of God when all you have to do is ask him? That's all you have to do is ask but that goes into the next point. It's like, why am I stuck? Because I'm not even searching for the truth. See, sometimes because you think you're already smart. You're wise in your own eyes. One of the worst things is somebody who's not that bright that think they are. Someone who think they have the answers and they obviously ignorant. I just have to let that sit for a minute. Because when, when the last time you admitted you was wrong about something? When's the last time you didn't have an excuse for something you did? When, when's the last time when someone asked you a question, you didn't just say, I don't know. As opposed to just saying something, just saying words. That's what I call it. You're just saying words. They don't mean anything. You're just saying a bunch of words. Uh-oh. It got quiet. Okay. Oh. Just say, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. You got to search for the truth. If you think you already know, you'll never search for the truth. Or if you just reject any new information. You have to investigate new information. You have to investigate. Because someone might tell you something that you don't know. If you immediately dismiss it, how do you know they're not telling you something that's true? Look, I've run into this problem in Bible study. I'm walking someone through what the word of God says. And they're rejecting what I'm saying because of what they think they already know. Say, Pastor, how come you know you're not, how, how come you're not wrong and they're the ones that's right? It's like, because I'm reading from the book. That's how I know I'm right, because I'm actually reading the words in the book. <laughs> mm. But when you have somebody reading the words in the book, but because what's being read in the book is contrary to what they were told, so now they're stuck on what they was told. So even if you're reading the words from the book, it doesn't sink in because what I was told is the only thing that matters. Anyone who's always searching for truth, even when you hear something that you don't know, you investigate it. Because once you investigate it, at the end of the day, either what was said is true or it's not. But if you desire to know the truth, then you will search for the truth. Even if that means that someone tell you something, see what it means. 
This is how so many Christians got themselves in trouble over the pandemic. Is that someone's throwing something at you? Then you just pick a side and decide that's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because those people, they, I always ask, who's the they? Who, who's, who's the they you're talking about? They. Who's, who's the they? The ones who are not you? Are the they? Sometimes the ones who are not you have just as much information as the you do. So read both sides. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I got to get this point across. There's too many of us that are stuck is because you refuse to look at any new information. I'm not saying um, accept everything that's said to you, but did you even search it out? Did you even take the time to investigate as the thing that was being told you? Is it true or not? Because I tell you the truth, according to this pandemic thing, you will find out everybody was lying. If you did any investigating, you will find out everybody, everybody was lying. This side, that side, down the middle, everybody was lying. Everybody, nobody was telling the whole story about anything. If you did the investigating, you would know that that was the case. So if somebody is lying, then do not act like they're on God's side. You can't be lying and saying you're on God's side. Okay, that's a different sermon for a different day. How do you, how are you unstuck? How do you, how do you know if you're stuck or why are you stuck? You're not searching for the truth because you just caught up in your feelings. you in your feelings. Feelings are important, but they're not more important than truth. Feelings are important, but they're not more important than truth. Ah. When you don't give the word of God the final say, then you know you're in trouble. Well, the Bible says, but ah. I know this is what God wants, but ah. that's how you got stuck because you didn't give the Bible the, the final say. Because if you give the Bible the final say, whatever the Bible says, that's it. And you move on that. There's no being stuck when you're doing what the Bible says you should do. There's no being stuck. But when you start like ah, love my enemies. Ah. Do good to those that are persecuting me. How long were they persecuting me? How long will they be persecuting me? You know, am I supposed to do good while they're persecuting me or after they finished? Which once you start doing stuff like that, then that's how you got stuck. It's because you start asking those kind of questions rather than just saying, God said, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I got to do. That Now, Lord, give me the strength to get it done. Instead of doing that, you start asking those questions that you know. Why are you asking the question? It said what it said. Well, knowing we have a problem doesn't really fix the problem. Knowing why we have a problem doesn't really fix the problem. Even knowing that God exists and he's all powerful doesn't really fix the problem of us being unstuck. So how do I get unstuck? I got to commit my life to the Lord. I've got to commit my life to the Lord. See, if I'm talking about I'm stuck, then, then I can't move and I can't be moved. But if that's the case, then God is no longer the one directing my life. If I'm going to get unstuck, then I've got to commit my life to the Lord. So whatever the Lord says, that is what I am obligated to do. I know the idea of being a servant is uncomfortable for a lot of folk. But if we see ourselves as servants of the Lord and that the life that I'm living actually belongs to him, then I can get into the mindset. I can't be stuck because wherever God moves me, I've got to move. Whatever he tells me, I've got to do. I can't sit still as long as the Lord is speaking. I've got to move. So if you committed your life to the Lord, then you got to pray. But you got to pray hard. Not little mamby-pamby prayers. You got to pray hard. You got to pray like it matters, like it means something to you, like your heart is in it. You got to put some passion into this prayer because I want to hear from God. I want God to feel what I'm feeling. So I'm pouring out my heart because I want the Lord to be connected. 
See, that's why we have prayer every week. We pray on Sundays. We pray on Thursdays. And look, the, our prayer hour doing on Thursdays. For those that, that have not experienced it, haven't been part of it, that if you come in on Zoom or come into the sanctuary from 6 o'clock to 6.20, there's just music playing. And the reason for that, this is to give you an opportunity to practice your prayer time. Because you hear the music playing, and if you're watching online, you'll see the, the, the words from scriptures. And as the, the words are, pl- are playing on the screen, and you hear the music, it gives you an opportunity to sit. And I know for some folks, sitting for 20 minutes is like, it feels like torture. But if you come one week and you sit for five minutes, and another week and sit for 10 minutes, and another week and sit for 15 minutes, eventually you'll be find yourself that you're able to quiet yourself and be in the presence of the Lord for at least 20 minutes. See, because when I'm talking about praying so that you can get unstuck, you're talking about being able to connect with God and being able to connect with God. You got to find that space and time in your life, in your week where it's just me and God. So that first few moments of prayer, that's what it's for. If you haven't been able to sit for 20 minutes, look, you know, Apostle Lydia, she prays for like eight hours. Now, now I know that most of us, our lives, we don't have eight hours in a day. Not every day. But do you have 20 minutes out of your week? Mm-hmm. 20 minutes? One day out of the week where you spend just sitting, listening to worship songs, or even just reading the scriptures. Because if you read the scriptures for those 20 minutes, there's a part of prayer called scripture praying. So as you see the words on the screen and you start to read the scriptures and allow those words to speak to you, that becomes part of your prayer time. But you're conditioning yourself for those 20 minutes to just be in the presence of the Lord. Then we receive an exhortation and those exhortations is, I mean, this is good stuff, man. It is good stuff. Everyone that comes and gives a word to help and encourage, it is good stuff. Then we take the request and we pray for each other. So we're not in it by ourselves. If I have a concern, you have a concern. We're sharing each other's burden. We're lifting each other up. We're taking it before the Lord. And then you know how it goes. You can hear something on the prayer and it just stays with you. So you just keep praying about it even after the prayer is over because the thing just stayed in your head. So if you're talking about how do you get unstuck, you got to pray and you got to pray hard. So, yeah, commit our lives, pray, pray hard, and you got to seek godly counsel. If the only people you talk to are the people who are no more spiritually mature than yourself, you're in trouble. There's got to be somebody who you connect with that's more spiritually mature than you. And then when you get stuck, I don't know. It's like, well, I got to go ask so-and-so. I got I to go ask so-and-so. Because this is a person God has put in my life. I got to ask them, okay, well, what does this mean? I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to get to the truth. I'm trying to get unstuck, but I can't get it together on my own. I need somebody to help me. I need someone to break it down. I need somebody to hold my hand. I need somebody to pray with me. But you got to seek that godly counsel because I'm, un- I'm stuck and I want to get unstuck. And, and you know what else you got to do to get unstuck? Make a move. You got to make a move. If you're stuck, you, you got to do something different. You got you to make a move. Now, whether you pick a really big thing and then break it down into little pieces, because it's like, this is my goal, but that ain't happening today. Not the whole thing. But let me get a little piece of that goal and work on that. And once I got that piece done, then I grab hold of the next piece. Little by little by little, but I'm making a move. Or, or you pick that thing that's, that the, I can get this done. I know I can get this done. Now, before I was stuck doing nothing, but once I picked at least one thing that I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. 
And I'm going to commit to doing that. And I'm going to keep making that thing happen. And this is the wonderful thing about God. Once you get rolling, he going to roll with you. Once you start moving, he's going to move with you. Once you decided that I'm going to live my faith, he's going to help you live your faith. He's going to make you stronger, wiser, empower you. He's going to keep you going. But you got to make that move. So what's the whole point of this whole thing? Well, you got to live your faith. If you're going to be unstuck, that means you got to live your faith. If you are stuck, you are not living your faith. Because the faith that we have, the faith that has saved us, is a faith that makes you move. <laughs> it's a faith that actually is active, is productive. It actually turns your life. It actually brings you into a place where God is using you. And there's a difference in your life and the lives of those that are around you. The faith that we have is a faith that is of action. Don't tell me you have faith and you're not doing nothing. Don't tell me you're a person of faith and you're not doing nothing. Don't tell me you're a person of faith and you're sitting back and let everybody else do it. See, because the person of faith won't get in there. They want to get their hands involved in it. They want to find a way to make it happen. So when someone asks, can you give some help? You jump in there because it's like my faith demands that I actually be a part of these things that's happening. And I don't wait till somebody come knocking on my door telling me, are you going to help or what? We don't have to wait to that point because my faith is now active and it's alive and it's actually moving in my life. So now is the time to ask yourself, are you stuck? Because if you're stuck and you can see how you got stuck, now you got to get unstuck. But that's going to require you to move. Now, now, don't believe the lie. I can't. Are you a child of God? If you're a child of God, then you have the spirit of God. If you have the spirit of God, what did the scripture tell us? You will receive power. So it's in you. The power to move is in you. It's just about whether you decide to use it or not. Bow your heads with me.